Hello, and welcome to A Smashing Theory, the Super Smash Bros. Switch Prediction Podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Sean. And really, what I should have said is, hi, because <laughs> this is the Kirby episode. <laughs> well, you're spot on with that, Daniel. Uh, you really made an error there, and... Uh, as co-host of this podcast, I'm taking executive action. I'm firing you, and you will be replaced with Kirby. Oh, oh no. Oh, oh he's here. <laughs> I don't... This is, this is a mistake. <laughs> yes. Anyway, welcome to our podcast. Yeah. This is A Smashing Theory. Every episode, we make theories. <laughs> great, great job, Daniel. <laughs> This is Smashing Theory, a podcast where we make predictions about what's going to be in the next Smash Bros. game coming out later this year. And we do that franchise by franchise, so this episode we're talking about Sakurai's Babies. Yes, his literal children. (laughs) And by Sakurai's Babies, we mean the two franchises that Sakurai has had a direct hand in, and thus we can sense the kind of attachment that he has to those franchises when he adds representation to them in Smash, representation for them in Smash especially, and those franchises are Kirby and Kid Icarus. Kirby being a franchise that he created and made several of the early games of before he left Hell Laboratory like over a decade ago now, Mm -hmm. and Kid Icarus being a series that he did not create, but he did revive... Uh, first by giving him a new character design in Super Smash Bros. Brawl, and then by completely rebooting his franchise with Kid Icarus Uprising in 2011 for the 3DS. Right. And I think I think this will be a fun episode because the franchises that Sakurai has a personal investment in are always the hardest to predict what's going <laughs> to be in there because... Really, you you don't know what Sakurai's heart is telling to him during the time he's developing these games. That is very true. So let's just let's just get started. Okay. Let's uh, let's start with Kirby. The, yes. His his first Nintendo franchise. His big old his big puffy pink baby. Uh, as always, we'll start with focusing on character predictions. So first we're going to look at previous character representation in the franchise and see the the chances of those being returning mm-hmm. or or maybe that representation being upgraded like in Sister Fee to a playable character that sort of thing. Sure, so which Kirby character in the Kirby franchise will be talking about first, Daniel? Waddle do. <laughs> uh, we'll be talking about Kirby. Wow. So Kirby is obviously 100% lock. Right. He Almost definitely has a silhouette in that initial trailer. Been there since Smash 64. Yep. All He's an OG all the way back. One of the original 12. And yeah, Kirby's great. You mm-hmm. know, he's he's got a good moveset that stayed, that stayed pretty intact. He's got the hammer. He's got the... He inhales. And right. His, his copy ability is certainly one of the most iconic abilities in the Smash franchise, yeah, I think. Yeah, and in Nintendo in general. Right. Uh, yeah, great character. Great ability, and it's always really fun because, as anyone watching this probably knows, whenever he whenever he sucks someone in and takes their power, 
he looks like the character whose power he took. Right. Uh, like, Kirby's kind of cosplaying these characters, like, wearing their hats. Back in Brawl, when Snake was a thing, he had Snake's, like, he had, like, a beard, like, <laughs> crayoned onto his face. Which was great. Yeah. Uh, I also really like when he swallows Bayonetta and he kind of gets, like, her hair cut. Uh, that's <laughs> yes. really cute. Yeah. Nah, great power set. I don't see too many changes to it. One thing that's kind of funny is Kirby is one of those characters, I think, that kind of slides up and down the tier list mm-hmm. every every release or so. Like, he think he was really good in Smash 64. Uh, he's like a ball, so he rolls up and down the tier list. Anyway, he's <laughs> he's been really good in some Smash games and really bad in others. Right. So maybe he'll be more... Maybe they'll figure out a way to make him good or medium good in, in Smash 5. That would be nice. It would be cool if, for Smash 5, we could have a competitive tier list that didn't start at double S and end at, like, Z. You know? <laughs> it would be nice. I mean, I know that that's not Sakurai's primary concern when he's yeah. designing Smash games, and I think that's great. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'd, I'd still appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, a game with nearly 60 characters, I imagine, is probably pretty hard to balance. Oh, yeah. I mean... Even when you consider that the characters' movesets are relatively simplistic compared to, like, a more standard fighting game, it's yeah. still a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's still a lot to do. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, Kirby, he's he's going to be in there. You'll, you'll see him. Mm-hmm. Count on it. Up next, we got Meta Knight. All right. Now, Kirby was in Smash 64. Kirby was in Melee. There were no new Kirby additions in Melee. Mm-hmm. Sakurai said later, like in, in in melee interviews, and I think in brawl interviews afterwards, that he thought about putting Meta Knight and King DDD, or at least one of them, mm-hmm. in melee, but changed his mind because he thought maybe it'd be kind of a selfish choice. <laughs> uh, and as we know, Sakurai never makes selfish choices <laughs> with uh, regard to the characters he includes in Smash. But we'll talk more about that in the Kid Icarus <laughs> section. Yeah, when Brawl came, he decided to not have as many calls about that. And I think that's <laughs> fine uh, because Meta Knight shows up in Brawl. And he's a, I think he's a super iconic character and he 100% deserves to be in that game. Yeah, no. If if any uh, Kirby character is going to be included in Smash, you know, I think that Meta Knight is a, certainly an excellent choice. Yeah. Uh, and his moveset's really fun. Yeah. And, you know, he was <laughs> uh, very moves... popular for a while and that was kind of annoying. But... <laughs> uh, yeah, moveset so good that he was <laughs> banned from Brawl competitive play for a while, I Jesus think. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then he got heavily nerfed for four, basically. Right. But he, yeah, he's really cool. He looks really flashy. Mm-hmm. Uh, love the that he's really badass, but also he is a blue circle. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, I've, I've loved Meta Knight ever since I was a kid. And yeah. I took the Kirby franchise completely seriously, <laughs> like children do. Right. Uh, now that I have some distance from, you know, the, the release of Kirby Superstar, it's kind of fun to look back and to see what a silly character that is and to appreciate him for his other qualities. Yeah. No, I, I unironically loved Meta Knight back in the day, back mm-hmm. when I played Kirby Adventure. I'm like, oh, look at, like, I, although Kirby Adventure was something I played when I was, like, in my late teens, I think. Mm-hmm. I never owned an NES, so I sort of, like, went back and, right. and tried all these old games, and then I discovered I discovered Kirby's Adventure and Meta Knight. So I was able to be like, oh, I get it. He 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 actually badass, but he's actually super cute. Look at that. <laughs> right. Like, I love that little animation 
when you beat Meta Knight in Kirby's Adventure and his mask falls off mm-hmm. and you see his little face. And he's and, just like blue Kirby. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, great. And then he just gets like embarrassed and teleports away. I actually didn't know for the longest time, you know, I did some research prior to us recording this podcast. Oh, nice. Some Kirby stuff. Nice. I did not know that Meta Knight's debut was not Kirby Superstar. Like, <laughs> even though the game is called like Revenge of Meta Knight, Meta Knight's kind of Revenge, implying yeah. that he came before... <laughs> I just assumed that was when he showed up. So then I looked up Meta Knight and was surprised and pleased to discover that he's almost as old as the franchise itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been around since Adventure, and I love him. He's cool. Yeah, he's definitely coming back, Mm -hmm. for sure. He's a lock. And finally, also in Brawl, out of our veteran characters, King DDD, who I think is also super iconic and great. Big, big old penguin with a hammer. He eats cakes and... (laughs) And is mean, but also he cares about the preservation of the universe and will help Kirby whenever the true final boss rears its head. He's a fun character. Yeah, I like him a lot. Um, even just aside from having a cool moveset, I just appreciate his design and the ways that he's featured in the Kirby franchise throughout yeah. the years. I mentioned this to Daniel privately the other day. I thought for a very long time that you pronounced <laughs> his name King Day, and I yeah. was extremely wrong. Is not how you say his name. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I pronounced it that way too until Brawl came out and the answer right. was like, King DDD. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. I learned because of the really goofy Kirby anime, <laughs> Kirby right back at you. You know, you're, you're listening to the main theme and at one point that weird salesman guy goes like, so what can I get for you, King DDD? And I just kind of sat back like, oh, oh. Okay, and then just rolled with it. <laughs> that was just a weird localization in general. Yeah, man. Yeah, it uh, was. Yeah, King DDD sounded like Foghorn Leghorn, <laughs> yes. basically. Just like, I'm yeah. going to crush that Kirby and then eat all the cakes. <laughs> uh, Meta Knight had this Antonio Banderas accent that we don't need to do here. And yeah, that was, that was a weird anime. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't think we'll see too much of the anime in Smash 5. I just assumed watching that, you know, as a, I don't know, as a kid or a teen or whenever that came out in my life, I assumed watching that without at the time knowing who Masahiro Sakurai was, like there's no way that the creator of Kirby had any involvement in this whack-ass show. This is so different from the established lore of the Kirby universe. He must be so mad. And it turns out that he was like show running it basically. Yeah, he was super involved writing all the stuff. Yeah, he was heavily involved. Oh, Sakurai's a weird guy. Yeah, he's... (laughs) Yeah. But King DDD is going to be back, I think. Yeah, I think so, too, and I'm pleased about that. Yeah, I think he'll be great. Even though I don't play as them very often, I enjoy the really big, powerful characters in Smash. And uh, so the more of them, you know, the better. He was considered bottom tier in 4. Right. Like, bottom of the bottom tier, so maybe he'll get some kind of moveset revamp for, for 5, the way Bowser got a got some new tools from Brawl to 4. That'd be cool. Yeah. I'd uh, I'd like that. I'd like to see what what new what new stuff they give DDD. Yeah. One actually thing that's worth noting is some people think that King DDD might get a new final smash in 4 he kind of sucks everyone up and mm-hmm. messes them up. But Kirby Star Allies has come out and we'll right. be talking about Kirby Star Allies probably a good deal in the segment. But in regards to King DDD he gets uh he gets a new form in in Star Allies where he gets big buff muscly arms 
And some people are kind of hoping, I think, that Buff DDD is going to be like his new Final Smash. I would appreciate that. I think that'd be hilarious. I don't think it's going to happen. No, me neither. I feel as though... I feel as the the later a game comes out after Smash has been announced, the less likely it is that features of that game will be incorporated into like major gameplay changes. I think it generally depends because, you know, games start development like, you know, at like the two year point. So if if Sakurai knows the game's gonna come out in twenty eighteen, he right. can look at the concept art and that sort of thing and incorporate it. But at the same time, uh, something like Buff DDD, I don't like maybe if that game had come out before Smash, like right before Smash 4, mm -hmm. and Sakurai saw the really positive reaction right. to Buff DDD, then maybe he tried to incorporate that in some form. But since he's already obviously locked in pretty much everything at this point, yeah. I do think that, yeah, it might be a, a bit late for King DDD to show his guns in Smash 5. Hindsight's twenty twenty. It's hard to tell when something like Buff DDD is going to become a meme. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from there. So uh, let's move on to assist trophies. There's a couple of assist trophies that mm -hmm. have represented Kirby in Smash. The first is Knuckle Joe. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a little little guy with uh with uh the the headband. Mm -hmm. Yeah, bandana. Uh, uh, well, yeah. yeah, headband. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about bandanas later. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, he's you know got a headband wrapped around his head. Knows <laughs> a lot of knows a lot of karate moves. That is where you wrap headbands <laughs> around your head. You know, maybe he's like a Persona character or something, and he wraps it around his arm to be cool. Sure. Or a Naruto character, I should say. Who wraps their head headbands around their arms in Naruto? Uh, Shikamaru. Oh, okay. Yeah. In in Naruto, everyone has their Naruto headband, but right. most, of the, most of the cast don't actually wear it on their head. Right. I know, and, like, Eno wears it as a belt. Yeah. Uh, Hinata wears it around her neck, like oh, a little yeah. collar. Okay. Sakura wears it on her head, but not her forehead. She wears it like a bow. Which is funny because you would think that she would want to hide her forehead because she gets teased principally about how enormous her forehead is. Yeah, but they all all the headband placements are generally signs of their of their character personalities and right. how they might develop. Sakura, you know, once once she like gets some character development, she like moves the headband to the front of her head uh -huh. to sort of signify that she's serious. Uh, anyway, welcome to our Naruto cast. Yeah, it, it's a Naruto-ing theory. <laughs> My girlfriend finally started paying attention. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, Knuckle Joe, uh, Knuckle Naruto is, he's, he's a cute little cis trophy. He's obviously never going to be playable. No, but you know, I, I like his design among Kirby enemies. I yeah. think that he's got a fun mechanic and... I uh, will look forward to him coming back in Smash 5. Yeah, which I'm sure he will. Yeah. And a new trophy they added in Smash 4 was Nightmare. Right. The boss from Kirby's Adventure. And he sort of shows up and makes the screen all dark. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he's got a, got a very cool, very spooky design. I don't think he'll be playable or anything, but, nah. but you know, uh, cool, cool stage hazard assist trophy. Mm -hmm. That is, yeah. I'm never a huge fan of assist trophies where, like, they just turn everything dark or turn stuff upside down or whatever as much as I am of ones where they actually kind of get in and fight. I agree with that, yeah. Although I do, I like the Rossetti one, I like the Nintendo oh, yes. one, you know. Yes, those are fun examples of stage obstructing. Yeah, so there's some flexibility there. Nightmare's fine. I'll yeah. be fine if he comes back, I won't be upset about it. Yeah, 
So now we can move on to new character discussion within Kirby. Right. So I guess we can just start by talking about that relevance, popularity, moveset potential. You know what you're going to call it. I don't. I don't know. It's the RPM triangle. (laughs) (laughs) So, So generally you can apply this pretty faithfully to a lot of different franchises. You kind of got to throw that out the window when it comes to Kirby, <laughs> because now there's a new factor that comes into it. It's it's Sakurai's personal attachment to that character and how cool he thinks that character is. Wow, we got to make it the RPMP square. <laughs> Relevance, popularity, moveset potential, uh, love. Pers- <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember what the fourth one was going to be. Personal, personal attach- attachment, thanks. But you have two Ps on there now. Yeah. You don't want this to be the PP square. Well, it's not. It's the R. It's the pump pump square. <laughs> so, <laughs> so one character that sort of has this effect, a character that Sakurai definitely has shown some attachment to, is Marx. Right. From Kirby Cur- Superstar originally. I yeah, think, yeah. From Kirby Superstar, and he's. <laughs> He's a ball, like mm-hmm. like a lot of other Kirby characters. He's like this jester ball with big spooky wings, and you know, kind of kind of like a crazy clown aesthetic. I really like Marks a lot because he Kirby Superstar was my first Kirby game ever, right? And so I didn't have that history of being able to appreciate that. Even though Kirby games are kind of cute and cuddly on the surface, they do some kind of dark. HP Lovecraft type stuff in the final act, usually. Yeah. Like, shit gets really weird in Dreamland. Yeah. And so Marx was my first experience with that. Like, you watch the opening cutscene, he's this cute little clown on the ball. Yeah. And then, like, at the end of Milky Way Wishes, he, like, leaves Kirby to suffocate in space while he wishes to take over Dreamland and then transforms (laughs) into a horrifying bat thing. Like, that was revolutionary for me as a kid. It's cool. Yeah, tonally, it was just really, uh, really shocking for me in a cool way. Yeah, he's, he's really cool. Really, really interesting character. A lot of people think that he'll be playable because, you know, he's, he's from a Sakurai game and he does have... Moveset potential mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, uh, he's actually playable in Kirby Star Allies. Yes, and even though Daniel and Amy Lee haven't played as him in their playthrough of Kirby Star Allies, actually, I messed around with him last night so I could, you know, you motherfucker. <laughs> I've been waiting for you to choose that character in the like Star Ally roulette for days, and then I'm asleep, <laughs> and that's when you choose him. Anyway, I wound up watching a video of his gameplay, and he's really cool. <laughs> So you've seen it anyway. Yeah, but not. I haven't seen you doing it. <laughs> yeah, he he is really neat. He has some cool stuff that would definitely translate well to a Smash game. Yes, he breaks out his wings a lot. He has this thing where he dives into the floor and then becomes a shadow in the floor uh, oh, that he cool. can like jut back out. Yeah, he utilizes his wings in a lot of his moves and. He also like brings out a, a circus ball that he can aim and kick <laughs> at people, and, and yeah, he's really neat. At the at the same time, when I saw his move set, I I thought about his whole move set and realized that his combined tool set is obviously unique, but he mm-hmm. doesn't do anything individually that we haven't seen in Smash already or that we're not mm-hmm. about to see. the The move where he 
goes into the floor and like comes right. back out and attacks. That's gonna that's gonna be an inkling move. Sure. That's that's gonna be inkling. Inkling right there. <laughs> <laughs> and and I don't know. The more I saw him, the more I thought, well, he's got some cool stuff, but he overlaps with Meta Knight a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. Sort of the the flying around and doing a lot of wacky midair shit. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of Meta Knight shtick, and like two Kirby characters both having that kind of playstyle mm-hmm. feels feels off to me. It feels like Sakurai would want to be more varied, more unique than that. Okay, when showing his own stuff. Sure. So while I think Marks would be cool representation, I don't I don't think he'll be in Smash Five. You know, I was thinking the same thing initially for whatever reason, because we've gotten a lot of feedback from people who, uh, on Reddit and elsewhere, who believe that Marks ought to be a character in the next Smash. Yeah. And my initial gut reaction was, I don't think that's going to happen. But the more that I've thought about it, the more that I do think that he satisfies all the elements of the the Rapump triangle, (laughs) the square. Uh, (laughs) You know, he's very relevant because Kirby Star Allies was just released. I say fairly relevant. It was a nice little nod, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. He certainly has a popular, or at least a very loud fan base, as we yeah. have discovered yeah. uh, over the course of the past week. Yeah, I think that I think that even though a lot of his moves would overlap with the moves of other characters, so that's not something that has historically precluded inclusion in Smash. I yeah. think when you consider, for instance, the number of Fire Emblem characters there are in the game that have same-ish stuff going on. Yeah, I I do agree with that. At at the same time, one thing that sort of inspires my thought process there is the way Sakurai has handled movesets in four specifically. Mm-hmm. You look at the new characters that you look at the new characters he's added in four, and those characters are are either a like really popular, or b have a really just cohesive playstyle to a level that you don't see in a lot of past Smash editions. Rosalina is a very thoroughly designed puppet character. Mm-hmm. Duck Hunt Dog has a very like he's he's designed to be this trap zoner. Mm-hmm. You know, like some Smash characters are sort of like, well, here's here's the things they do, here are their moves, and and there they there they are. Right. But Smash Smash Four is like, okay, I've designed their playstyle to have a lot of synergy with each other like mm-hmm. you know have they feel the most fighting gamey characters yes that is that is true when when i look at marks i see a hodgepodge of moves that don't really fit a full cohesive playstyle okay and i think you're right i think he does ding each thing on that triangle mm-hmm. and even dings that fourth square that we're adding for kirby <laughs> Uh, he does ding all of those things, but the other couple characters that I'm going to be talking about ding a minimum of two of those qualities more than Marks does. Okay. So I think that we're going to get like one new Kirby newcomer, and while I think Marks has a lot going for him, I think he will be left on the drawing board this time. It's funny, actually. I think his appearance in Star Allies actually makes him slightly less likely, hmm. because now he's had his nod, mm-hmm. you know? he's He's had... It, a really cool callback, and now it won't be as surprising in Smash Okay, if he were to come back. So I'm saying no to Marks. Well, we're going to be at loggerheads, my friend. I'm going to go against your grain and say that at the very least, Marks is going to appear in the next Smash game as an assist trophy 
Oh, yeah, I'd agree with that. But I think, furthermore, that he will, in fact, appear in the next Smash game as a playable Kirby representative. I don't agree with that. Okay. <laughs> we'll I, see who's right. I, uh, You do bring up a good point, and that's that he would be an absolutely perfect assist trophy. I think that's super possible. Yeah. In f- uh, not just a potential for assist trophy, but if this game has some kind of story mode, Marks mm-hmm. is a perfect boss. Yes. Uh, representation. So yeah, I I think I think Marks could be could very well be in Smash in some form. Right. And I know that Sakurai would love to represent him, mm-hmm. but. I think playable's a little too much. Okay. Assist trophy, yeah. Boss, yeah. I would be satisfied with him appearing either as an assist trophy or especially as yeah. boss. Whether it's a stage boss or a story yeah. mode boss, I think that he'd be a really cool addition. Yeah. Or even like a stage hazard in like a stage. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely not predicting him as playable. Interesting that you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk about another another character. Uh, <laughs> uh, and this one's kind of a left field one, but I think she's got some stuff going for her. Okay. And that's Susie from Kirby Planet Robobo from th- for the 3DS. <laughs> now, Susie, for those of you that haven't played Robobo, is this character, she's basically one of the villain characters. She's right. not, she's not the final boss, but she is an antagonist that Kirby runs into. And, uh, Kirby Planet Robobo is this game where <laughs> where robots basically invade Kirby's hometown and sort of, like, try to turn it into this robotic planet. And basically, Dr. Robotnik shows up, but it's not Dr. Robotnik. Uh, But I I wish it was. (laughs) And Kirby fights back by stealing their robot mechs and fighting in the mechs a lot of the time. Really cool game. Yeah, cool little game. And also... This isn't going to lead to a prediction or anything like that, but one of the coolest final bosses in the Kirby franchise, really neat throwback to the old games, definitely check it out for that alone if you haven't. Nice. But uh, Susie is sort of, you know, she's a, she's a member of this race of, of like aliens that are basically taking over Kirby's planet. Right. And she fights Kirby more than once in the game. And when she does, she gets in her own mech and fights Kirby in it. And the mech that she gets in would be perfect as a playable character in Smash. Mm-hmm. She she has a really cool moveset. And on top of that, if she were in Smash, she could borrow some moves from Kirby's mech. Oh, true. And have a really cool moveset that way. Uh, I think it'd be cool uh, as a way to have a... A female heavyweight character, uh, which doesn't really exist in Smash right now. True. Um, Plus, I know you love Tron Bon from Mega Man Legends. Oh, I love Tron Bon. (laughs) And she would basically be Tron Bon. She'd basically be Tron. Yeah, you're right. She would. (laughs) Uh, Needs those serve bots, though. Where are the serve bots at? True. She'll just have to make some. (laughs) (laughs) That game had just come out when Smash 4 was was nearing the end of its development time and mm-hmm. Sakurai was was coming up with a new roster. Sure. So hot hot ticket on that relevance <laughs> on that relevance end. 
she I popularity I don't think she really has any. I I didn't really know she existed until I was like doing research and stuff. Right. This is this is completely guesswork on my part. I don't know that this is actually true, but I feel like Kirby Plant Robobo kind of flew under the radar for a lot of people. I right? think it did, yeah. I I feel like it did. People that played it loved it. It's one of the most critically acclaimed Kirby games, I think, in the mm-hmm. last decade. But I don't know a lot of people that have played it. Right. So I think she would be kind of left field if she showed up. But mm-hmm. Sakurai likes left field sometimes. That's, that's true. And, yeah, that moveset potential is seriously off the chart. She could really come, have, like, a really cohesive moveset, I think. And she'd be really just satisfying to robot around on a stage with. I would definitely be fine with her getting included. I'm not going to officially predict Susie. Okay. But I could see it happening. Sure. I I think she'd be a great addition and a lot of fun. I am also not going to predict Susie, even though I do think that there's this unique aspect to the popularity part of the triangle, where if the character is unpopular enough, it sort of loops back around. Yeah. And yep. Sakurai wants to include that character. I don't think she's quite achieved that level of obscurity. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think... I think if she did get in, it's just because she's so hot on the relevancy and moves mm-hmm. at potential scales uh, to the point where it doesn't matter if she's not that popular. Okay. Finally, last character I'm going to talk about is is one that gets talked about a lot. Bandana Waddledee. <laughs> now, a lot of people thought that Bandana Waddledee was going to be in Smash 4, and they were wrong about that. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, he's definitely the... After... Kirby, King DDD, and Meta Knight, he's definitely the fourth most represented character mm-hmm. in the Smash franchise. He's been playable a lot. Banana Waddle D is a member of the sort of Goombas of of Kirby. Like right. the the main enemy, the the weak enemy that you see in the first level of every Kirby game, the Waddle Dees. Bandana Waddle Dee is a Waddle Dee with a bandana, and he's holding a spear. <laughs> right? Like, that, that'd be, if he were playable in the game, it'd be kind of like uh, if the Mario franchise decided to represent a Goomba with a sword in his mouth. <laughs> Which I want so badly <laughs> now that you've said that. <laughs> oh, I would main that character. I would never play any other character. Yeah, I, I do think on some level he's not remarkable enough to like get that playable slot, get that iconic character slot in mm-hmm. Smash because he's just a member of a common race in the games that you could just represent like, you know, as a thing you fight in adventure mode, like, sure. you know, just jump on a Waddle Dee, move through the rest of the map. I'm going to predict him anyway. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> First off, Banana Waddle Dee himself is not a creation of Sakurai. Okay. Right? The Waddle Dee itself is, but the version of Waddle Dee that wears a banana and swings a spear around, I'm pretty sure that was a thing that became popular after Sakurai had already left HAL Laboratory. Okay. However, that is still largely Sakurai's character design. Sure. A design that Sakurai loves, you know? Like, mm-hmm. and look at that thing. Waddle Dee's super adorable. No, I'm I'm I've been a big Waddle Dee proponent for a long time. Yeah. I almost kind of think of him as like the Luigi of Kirby <laughs> because he's got this really vocal and passionate fan base and yet he's a relatively unimportant character yeah. in the whole franchise. Yeah, he 
even though he's technically a member of a really common race in the game, he's got such an iconic design. Mm-hmm. You know, he's so recognizable. He, he's he got the same sort of body type as Kirby, and yet he still looks so distinct from Kirby. Yeah. And on top of that, his moveset potential is, I think, some of the highest that we've discussed. He's got that spear, mm-hmm. and therefore he can be kind of this glass cannon character, ah. right? This mid-range character mm-hmm. who pokes you with a spear from afar. If you hit him, he is in trouble, But right. and therefore his game plan is just to keep you at a distance with his spear and make sure you don't get close to him. I like that a lot. And, and I think he can do a lot of cool little spear combos in Star Allies, if you hold on the B button and let go, he spins his spear around and uses it like a propeller. Oh, that's neat. That is his up B right there. Yeah. And I just see like a bunch of like him doing like a bunch of really cool rapid like spear jabs and and then knocking you into the air and then propellering you mm-hmm. and and basically just like a surprisingly hardcore and execution heavy character. Yeah, just <laughs> just like catching you off guard with how much like fast damage he's doing okay. with his spear. You know, it's funny that you should say that because I was also thinking that he has, that people are sort of sleeping on his moveset potential. Yeah. But for a different reason, specifically, I was thinking that Bandana Waddle Dee, being a member of the Waddle Dee race, could do things that other Waddle Dees have done throughout the franchise. Hmm. Like for his up B, he could pull out the Parasol that Parasol Waddle Dee uses. Yeah, and I was thinking that too. One cool thing actually would be if if he does the propeller, but once he finishes the propeller, he pulls out the parasol and sort of floats back (laughs) onto the stage. Yeah. Or I don't know, like uh like send out another Waddle Dee to attack or something. You know, I think that you can play a lot with his moveset because you have the whole Kirby franchise to draw on. You have all these things that Waddle Dees broadly have done. Yeah. No, Waddle Dee Banana Waddle Dee has just such overwhelming moveset potential. Mm-hmm. Now that some of the, a lot of more iconic and obvious picks from various franchises have now already been appearing in Smash 4, I think there's now a lot of room for Waddle D to be like the next like big iconic character. And he's he's got, I, I think a lot of people love him. I think mm-hmm. he's got popularity. He's obviously incredibly relevant. He's playable as recently as Star Allies right. with, the, with his cool ass spear moveset. And I think Sakurai loves him. I think, you know, that's one of Sakurai's first designs. I think he'd be more than happy to include Bandana Waddle Dee. And I bet maybe one of the reasons he wasn't in Smash 4 is because Sakurai was already adding too many Kadikaris characters. <laughs> so he was trying to, to tone it back a bit. Right. He doesn't have to for this game. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think Bandana Waddle Dee is almost like a lock. I think he's very likely to be in, and I am officially predicting him. Well, you know, Sherlock... You've inspired me. I, John Hamish Smash Prediction Watson, will be joining you in your prediction of Bandana Waddle Dee. So you're predicting both Marks and Bandana Waddle Dee in the game. Uh, Kirby will be represented by five characters in Let Smash me put 5. it this way. Either of them will be in the game. Both of them will not. Okay, so if I, so if I had to tell you to make... Uh, your full official prediction to which one would be in, which would you say? I would pick Marks to make things interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you bitch! You contrarian M to the F. Actually, Sherlock, I was just kidding. <laughs> I'm joining Moriarty. <laughs> he, he hates Smash and loves Street Fighter. What's it new? Today, uh, <laughs> I'm taking this cocaine. <laughs> 
Do you want to drop your favorite Sherlock Holmes fact? Um, Sherlock is actually an English surname and a very uncommon first name. That's why his name is so distinct. I was setting you up to explain the cocaine thing. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know you had an actual favorite unrelated Sherlock fact. I love Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Cocaine use in Victorian England was not actually as frowned upon as it is today. As a matter of fact, the sort of modern analog that one might use to uh, cocaine use at that time is uh, caffeine. You know, we use caffeine a lot these days. We drink a lot of coffee. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do all that kind of thing in spite of the adverse effects that can have towards one's health. Yeah. So... Sherlock used a lot of cocaine in the books, right. and it was mostly just him, like, <laughs> chugging 10 five-hour energy drinks, <laughs> right. basically. Like, John Watson was really upset with him about that, but John Watson is also, like, a military physician. Yeah. And so had more knowledge about the adverse effects of cocaine than the average person. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, anyway, I'm locking in Bane Anivaldi. Looks like Sean's locking in Marks because he's stupid. And if the both of you could see us right now, you'd be able to see the anime style sparks that are going back and forth between our <laughs> eyes right now as we look into each other's eyes, determined that one of our characters is going to be correct. It's more that I'm just looking into my microphone with 10,000 anime sweat drops falling from my head. <laughs> Anyway, that's all the playable character discussion we're going to have. Uh, next, we'll move on to bosses, which we kind of already talked about. A bit. Uh, Marks would be an amazing boss, and there haven't been any previous Kirby bosses represented in Smash, like as bosses. Mm-hmm. And I think that's largely because Subspace Emissary, Sakurai just made a bunch of new Kirby bosses, basically. <laughs> right. You know, they're technically brand new Smash characters, but they just look like they'd be in a Kirby game. Yeah, like functionally and in terms of design. Yeah. Really, functionally and in terms of design, the Subspace Emissary was a Kirby game where you can play as characters other than Kirby. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But if there is a new, like, story mode in Smash 5, I think Marks is kind of a, a dead ringer, actually. He's... He's a go. Yeah, but obviously you don't think that because if she if he's going to be playable, he's obviously not also going to be a boss. Well, of course. <laughs> anyway, so that's bosses. Now we're going to talk about stages. Okay. Uh, first, we'll talk about all the Kirby stages that have been in past Smash games, and then we'll talk about potential new ones. Starting with Smash 64, we had Dreamland. Right. Pretty memorable stage, I think. Yeah, you got Wispy Woods in the back blowing people this way and that. Yeah, Wispy Woods being a big old tree. He is that. And, yeah, sort of just like a floating platform where you do all that. It's shown up in Melee as a past stage, Mm -hmm. and in Smash 4 as DLC for both Wii U and 3DS. Right. I think we could see it again, but actually, (laughs) what I think will happen instead is, in Melee, they added a stage called Green Greens, which also has Wispy Woods in the background. Really, it's just very functionally similar to the Dreamland stage with right. like some other, like some extra platforms and stuff. And that showed up in Melee, and it showed up in Brawl. So I think we'll just see Green Greens again in Five mm-hmm. instead of seeing Dreamland again. Okay, I would be okay with that. Whatever stage it is that has Wispy Woods in it, blowing people this way and that, is yeah. a stage that I am fine with being included. Yeah. 
Then in Melee, they had the Fountain of Dreams stage. Ah, uh, such an iconic stage. Yeah, really great stage. One that's especially memorable because it's one of the only stages that is legal to fight on in Melee Competitive. Oh, I hate competitive rules so <laughs> much. So, so I've seen Fountain of Dreams a lot. And, you know, what's funny is that Melee is the first and last game that Fountains of Dreams appeared in. Mm-hmm. So I think this is actually kind of a lock for a five past stage. I think it'll definitely come back. Cool. I think that bring uh, that would make a lot of the competitive heads more interested in the game than they might otherwise be, you know, including a stage like that. I don't know. I think the competitive heads are going to be the exact amount of interested that they're going to be once they see the mechanics and that they're different than Melee. Which is to say really bitter, and then they're going to keep playing Melee for another five million years. Apologies to people who enjoy competitive Smash. <laughs> competitive Melee in particular. You, uh, if, if you love that game, then... More power to you. Yeah. Yeah. Do your thing. Shake your, yourself. Anyway, the next stage we want to talk about... <laughs> is, is, yeah, we're moving on to Brawl now. Right. And the Halberd was in Brawl now. Man, I love the Halberd stage. Yeah, me too. It's, it's really, really cool. Yeah, it's Meta Knight's airship. You start out in sort of like a, a dock that like flies into the air and you just fight him in the air for a bit and then Meta Knight's ship comes and like locks into the dock mm-hmm. and uh and you fight on Meta Knight's ship. What a cool stage. Just yeah. that's that's a really cool stage. Has some of the best music in the game, which we'll talk about later. Sure. And yeah, it was in Brawl and it returned for the Wii U version of four. I'd I'd be more than happy to see it in five again. Me too. Uh Although I've I've been saying that at this point three Kirby stages are returning, which is probably a bit much. Hmm. Um, so I'd say maybe, maybe Fountain of Dreams and the Halberd will return. Okay. And I guess moving on, mm-hmm. Smash Four for the 3DS added the Dreamland stage, which was a stage that just took you through the first level right. of Kirby's Dreamland right. on the Game Boy. With that Game Boy aesthetic, just really neat, high concept for a stage. Yeah, take took you through a tour of all those stages. Uh, a lot of Game Boy music. Yeah, neat, neat little stage. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Yeah, I'd be okay with that one returning. Yeah, I don't think it will, but I I would be okay with that. That's fair. And <laughs> last but not least, the greatest stage of all time, stage among stages, king of all stages, the greatest stage that's ever existed. Smash! It's the Great Cave. Sean really likes this stage. I really do. No one else does. And that's okay. <laughs> I I love the high concept, like you mm-hmm. just said. It's it's a great idea. I do love that you get to run around this big old great cave offensive inspired stage, collecting treasure and stuff. What do you think about the idea of it being retooled so that it's a scrolling stage? I don't know. I think that would make it less unique. Hmm, okay, that's like fair. Yeah, it would make it far less remarkable. And I think it is remarkable now. I think what I would want if the Great Cave Offensive came back and was retooled was to just, like, zoom in more. Yes. Just, I, yeah. I, I do like that stage aesthetically. I like it conceptually. But I just can't fucking see what's <laughs> happening on that stage when I fight on it. Yeah, what, that's, that's like, not fair. We have a pretty big TV, but actually I was playing some of it last night, just messing around in Smash 4, and... I had to get up from the couch and, like, stand, like, two feet in front of the TV so I could... I was doing, like, this, this solo mission where you're Kirby and you, you've taken a lot of damage 
and you need to heal yourself exclusively with great cave offensive like food items. Oh, that's cute. Before DDD kills you. And and I just couldn't see the food on that stage half the time because that stage is so big and so zoomed out and I couldn't see shit. And just as a note, Daniel wears glasses and I have 20/20 vision. Even yeah. so, that stage still zooms out too far for me to comfortably play on that stage. That's that's reassuring, I guess, question mark. <laughs> I, I like it anyway, Yeah. but I can definitely see why that would be problematic for people who like that stage less than I do. Yeah. In any case, I don't see the Great Cave Offensive returning. I feel like that was probably more or less a failed experiment that was interesting, but probably won't come back in five, at the very least. Maybe it failed for you. But yeah, I could also see that happening. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Uh, and that's all the old stages. So now we can talk about new stages that could represent Kirby. Oh, like what, Daniel? Well, I think the most obvious answer to that question would be something from Kirby Star Allies. Mm-hmm. The most recent Kirby game. And I think that would be an area called... Uh, I could be pronouncing this completely wrong, uh, Jam Bastion. No, yeah, I was assuming that's what it was, too. Yeah, which is sort of the the home planet of these generals that are sort of invading Kirby's planet to take its hearts or something. I'm not super clear on the story of that. I've played through most of it. <laughs> I was going to say, that's, that's funny because you, you have, I feel, I feel like you're at the tail end of the game at this point. Yeah, we're, Amy and I are on the last world. Amy, my girlfriend, I don't know. I, I say her name a lot on my other podcast, Play This. I don't Check know. it out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I say it much here. But yeah, Amy and I are pretty close to beating the game at this point. And the third world in that game is this place called Jam Bastion, where you sort of climb up like this really like elaborate tower and eventually fight these three generals. Right. And Pretty cool I, area. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool area. And I think there's just a lot of... It's rife for using as a stage, I think. Nice. A lot of a lot of different things they could do there. They could even have like the three generals sort of show up as stage hazards and change the stage with their various elements, mm-hmm. uh, water, fire, electricity. I think it'd be cool. Yeah, I think so too. They could also probably do a planet Robobo stage because we didn't get one. That is in, also true. In four. and That could be cool. Lots of machines, moving parts, you yeah. know, something with that. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool actually. So one of those two. Any Kirby stages you can think of? Well, if we're going to have marks in the game, if I'm wrong, and we're (laughs) going to have marks in the game as a boss character, it would be neat for you to be able to fight him on his boss stage, where you kind of have the ground moving beneath you and that really striking vista of the planet ahead of you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, if if he's going to be in the game in some capacity, it would be nice for him to have a stage. That would be the stage I'd pick for him. A Milky Way Wishes stage? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I'd, I'd like that a lot. Me too. Um, that's why I suggested it. <laughs> cool. So let's move on to items let's. in the Kirby franchise. So Kirby's got a pretty good pretty good lineup of items mm-hmm. that have been in past Smash games. So let's go through them. Okay. First off, in Smash 64, we had the Maxim Tomato. Classic. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Heals a bunch of OHP. Makes you feel all better. As just, tomatoes do in real life. Yeah, just take a big old bite out of that tomato. You know, I'm not I'm not one I'm not advocating eating tomatoes as though they were apples or something. Do that if you want. <laughs> However, grape tomatoes, great snack. True. Mm-hmm. A grape snack. Oh. Even. 
<laughs> also in Smash 64, we had the Star Rod. Wow, all the way back in 64. Yeah, mm-hmm. you Crazy. do a smash. Yeah, do a smash attack with it, and the little star comes out, hits your opponent. You know, pretty good staple mm-hmm. item. Don't think that's going anywhere. In melee, we got the parasol, right? Which you know you could hit people with, and you can also use it to sort of slow your descent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That only was in melee as an item; it got removed in subsequent games. Ah, so it could now be a part of Bandana Waddledee's set of moves. That's right, Sucka. Mm-hmm. That is correct. <laughs> also in melee, we got the Warp Star. Yeah. Which is funny, I kind of thought this was as early as 64, but it debuted in okay. debuted in Melee. Big old star, you grab onto it, and then you smack down on somewhere in the field that is affected by the direction that you push. I like this item, even though it's next to useless in one-on-one play. <laughs> like, really, the goal with the Warp Star is, like, the other three people you're fighting are duking it out, and you can KO all of them at the same time. Yeah. I feel like that's really what you want to do with that item. Yeah, it's a fun item. Then in Brawl, we got a couple more Kirby items. We got the Super Spicy Curry, which was taken all the way back from the first Kirby's Dream Land. It was a power-up that Kirby could get that, you know, makes him spit fire for a limited period of time. Sure. And that's what it does in Smash. You know, you you pick up the curry and then fire spews in front of you for a while. And you can sort of like run up in front of someone and sort of auto combo them and just get them stuck in your little fire pattern while you set up a smash attack. What's your favorite spicy food, Daniel? My favorite spicy food. That's a good question because I'm kind of a wimp with spicy food. That's fair. What's yours? Oh, gosh. Chicken Vindaloo. Ooh. I love Chicken Vindaloo. (laughs) even though it's fine going in (laughs) anyway good good pick sean good moving the next item is the dragoon which was also in brawl it's three pieces of a really powerful airship from kirby's air ride if you pick up all three pieces you assemble them and you like fly off the screen and then a reticule shows up right if someone's in your reticule and you hit them then it's a one-hit ko basically i like this item a lot it's a cool item yeah i think really any item that kind of changes the calculus of the battlefield is pretty cool yeah like uh smash orb or balls and things like that yeah, you know, smash where, balls are cool where everyone's kind of scrambling to accomplish the same objective i think those are fun yeah uh so i would be perfectly happy with the dragoon making its return you know, speaking of Smash Balls, I feel like we don't talk about Final Smashes enough on that's, this podcast. That's true. So, real quick, what do you think Marks' Final Smash would be if he's in the game? So I think that when you're playing as Marks, he would be in his kind of tiny ball form. Yeah. And use a little bit of his boss stuff, but not like a lot of it. Okay. I think his Final Smash would be... Him turning you, into... Right, turning into Big Marks, flying up into the air, and then doing that attack where like those vines kind of come down. Okay. That's what I would make it. Okay, that's that's pretty cool. Thank you. Susie has sort of two robots. Mm-hmm. One One's more powerful than the other, so she could like upgrade as her final smash, I think. Nice, I like that. Uh, Banana Waddle D just floods the screen with other Waddle Ds. Yes! Oh, yeah. that'd be great. Or, or even just like an assortment of Kirby enemies. You know, even though I hope I'm right, I also hope you're right. It's a confusing time to be <laughs> predicting Smash characters because <laughs> both Marks and Bandana Waddle would be really cool characters. They'd be really cool. I would love if Marks was in the game. I just want to make that clear. No, no, no I, I know. I just don't think he's likely there's, enough. There's no bad blood here on a Smashing Theory. We're, we're all friends here. Thanks, Lady Gaga. So... <laughs> 
So those are all the volcanoes. What the fuck did she sing about? I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> Bad romance. I don't listen to a lot of Lady Gaga. Apologize. Apologize. Apologies to Lady Gaga fans. That's all the Kirby items. <laughs> so now we can talk about potential new items. So actually, one thing that's funny is Kirby didn't get any new items in four. Yeah. So I feel like he could get something new. He's overdue for one. Yeah, something new in five. I think one thing that could be pretty cool is just a big old, like, a Kirby mech that you could climb into. That's cool. From Robobo. That might be a bit too involved and complicated. Maybe. But, uh, I don't know, the Switch is a powerful piece of hardware. They can pull it off. And one thing I would personally love is just uh, an Adeline assist trophy. Adeline being the painter, right? Yeah, she's the artist character that sort of paints other Kirby bosses, basically, and has has the painting version of them attack you. I think that'd be a great way to represent multiple Kirby characters because mm-hmm. the Adeline assist trophy could show up and then she could like paint Krakow and uh, have it attack you. That's really neat. Yeah. I like Adeline a lot just as a character in general. Yeah. You, know, you, you kind of fight her and then get her as a, an, a recurring ally in Kirby 64. Yeah. And since that was a formative Kirby game of my life, along with Kirby Superstar, I've always had a soft spot for her. Yeah. Kirby Star Allies has this uh, feature called Dream Friends where... You can go to the shrine and sort of summon characters from past Kirby games as friends. That's how Marx is playable. That's how Bandana, Waddle Dee, and, and DDD, and Meta Knight are playable in that game. I really hope that at some point we get Adeline as like a playable dream friend. That'd be really cool. You know, they've, they've shown that they are perfectly willing to make really complicated uh, dream friend characters. Marx has a really complicated moveset. Lots yeah. of the other characters do as well. Yeah, yes. I think that's a great point. Thank you. <laughs> I love it when you think that about me. I love that too. Well, yeah, I think Adeline would be a great assist trophy. I agree. So now, uh, last but not least, we're moving on to soundtrack. Certainly not least, because Kirby has some great tunes, some good bangers. Yeah, <laughs> Kirby's got such a good soundtrack that so much of his repertoire has already been featured in Smash, which makes a lot of sense because obviously Sakurai loves that soundtrack too. Mm-hmm. One of my f- absolute favorites is the remix of Meta Knight's Revenge that plays on the Halberd. It's so good. Yeah, it's it's really groovy. I can just like play that <laughs> as its own song without actually playing the game and just be really into it. Some other highlights are the remix of uh, like the heavy metal remix of the Gourmet Race theme mm-hmm. that really like, funky cool ice cream island remix yes uh both versions of king ddd's theme both very well done actually there's a medley of like all the boss themes too that's really good hmm. marx's theme got a remix uh there's the true final boss in kirby 64 zero uh, two yeah zero squared that guy thing got a remix mm-hmm. and that's pretty solid even <laughs> even the forest nature area in kirby and the amazing mirror got a remix that's actually pretty good. Ah, uh, Kirby and the Amazing Mirror. One of those Kirby games that definitely didn't get really exhausting after a while because they made like 12 Kirby games for the GBA. <laughs> um, hmm. They didn't actually make 12. Yeah. I don't know how many they made, but I definitely remember thinking for a while like, wow, they're churning out some half-assed Kirby games for this system. 
I feel like it got to that point a little bit during the DS days. Mm, like, mm-hmm. I remember thinking that Squeak Squad was kind of uninspired. Yeah. Kirby Mass Attack was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. I feel like Kirby only got like three GBA games. Okay. I think they got, I think Kirby Return to Dream, like. Oh, Nightmare in Dreamland. Yeah. And I, remember I, Dreamland. I had that. I enjoyed yeah, that. That was, yeah, that was, uh, that was just a remake of Kirby's Adventure. Right. Then Kirby and the Amazing Near. That, God, maybe that's it, actually. Wow. Well, at the very least, I think that was kind of the start of me thinking to myself, I wish that they would release less of these games and make each one more interesting. I feel that. And I think they they got to that point by Robobo, at least. Yeah. Also, Kirby's Canvas Curse is still pretty cool. That is pretty cool. But in Smash news, now we can talk about potential new tracks yes. we could want to hear. And... Yeah, there's already a lot of great Kirby soundtrack representation, so obviously the first place you would go to is Kirby Star Allies. Mm-hmm. The thing about Kirby Star Allies is that most of Kirby Star Allies' soundtrack is remixes of past Kirby right. tracks, and they're all really good remixes. And I was going to say, like a lot of them are so good that you could just kind of rip some of them wholesale from that and stick them in Smash. And I think that's going to happen for yeah. sure. But I'm pretty sure, uh, I'm pretty sure the generals. Mm-hmm. that you fight in Jam Bastion have their own unique theme and I think some of the Jam Bastion u- music is unique. Okay. So I could I could see remixes of that or even just, you know, copy paste of of that music into some smash stages. Nice. I'm down for that. Yeah. Any stages, any curvy music that you'd really want to see revisited or as a matter of fact, yes. It's kind of surprising to me because of the nature of the game that this hasn't made it in before. When in Kirby Superstar you're doing the boss rush mode, there is a kind of arena battle theme that is unique to that mode that plays when you're fighting a lot of the bosses. Oh, yeah. That's what I want in there. It's a rockin' theme. Nice. One thing I would love, personally, is there's a theme in Kirby's Dream Land 3 Mm -hmm. that plays whenever you're in a room with your animal friends. Uh. Or rather, like, in Kirby Dream Land 3, there's some rooms you can go into sort of pick up animal friends, right? Your animal friends are sort of waiting for you in that room. And the theme that plays is just like this really chipper, like, uh, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Oh, yeah, yeah. That probably sounds terrible, but... I'm picking up what you're putting down, though. I'm remembering that theme. Yeah, I would love just like a... A high energy, like, let's fight (laughs) remix of that Uh, theme. That'd be really cool. One thing that's kind of interesting about Kirby's inclusion, like music inclusions in Smash, is that when I think of a lot of Kirby songs, especially the higher energy ones, Mm -hmm. I think that the composers of those songs, they were kind of going for a ska angle. You know, mm-hmm. like, especially stuff in, like, Gourmet Race. Oh, yeah, And then yeah. when they get rearranged, it's never in the ska style. Hmm. So it'd be cool to hear sort of a Kirby rearrangement that is true to those roots. Yeah. I think that'd be really interesting. What's funny is that Animal Friends theme isn't really ska at all. So what if they did a ska remix of the oh, Dream Friend, of the I Animal Friend theme? would be down. <laughs> I don't even listen to that much ska in my daily life. I just like the Kirby soundtrack a lot. I think ska has a cool sound. I don't listen too much of it in my spare time, but yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very popular when I was in college. I'm old. (laughs) So, that's that's everything on the Kirby side. Let's, uh, Let's read some mail. Yeah, let's open our Kirby mailbag. 
and see what's inside that mailbag mouth. I'm sorry. Uh, let, yeah, let's let's read some mail. All right. Uh, we got we got one from Mitch E on Twitter. Thanks, Mitch. What I personally want is Rick, Kine, and Koo as one playable fighter. Uh, Rick, Kine, and Koo are the animal friends from Kirby Dreamland too. Uh, it's like a hamster, uh, an owl, and a fish, and a fish. Right. Yeah. Their moveset potential would be amazing, and I think that Sakurai adding them in will surprise a lot of people. Plus, they're relevant, being in Star Allies. Mm-hmm. They're very cool in Star Allies. Yeah, I like them a lot. Uh, yeah, they've they've got this cool moveset where you play as Rick most of the time, but if you're doing something in the air, you he turns into Ku. Right. He turns into the owl, and if you're doing something in the water, he turns into Key and the fish. I noticed that he's almost like a Swiss army knife. Like, it seems yeah. as though each of his different abilities, or each of their different abilities, I should say, can kind of solve different puzzles. Yeah, yeah. So that when your girlfriend, Amy, was playing as them, you know, it'd be like, oh, I can't do this with Rick, but maybe I'll jump and I'll turn into Koo, and then he's got the wind attack, and I yeah. can do that. So uh, very kind of utilitarian in a way that I appreciate. They're very helpful character in Star Allies. I would love them in... Smash Bros. Me that, too. Yeah, that game that we're talking about. What what game? A uh, Smash Balls. Oh, uh, Smash Balls! I love that game. <laughs> Made by Masadogo Sakabo. Good pick, Mitch. Thanks. <laughs> yes. Thanks for your tweet. Really we... appreciate that. Great idea. Yes. Momiji Anubashiri six thirty on Reddit says a lot of stuff. <laughs> they uh, they got a lot of theories, but one. One thing I really liked in this list is the following. Mm-hmm. A cool item would be the beam whip that Kirby gets when it swallows Waddledoo, basically working just how it does in the game. You know, you pick up the, the beam whip and you, you whip right. it around. Yeah. yeah. You like get everybody in it. Yeah, I like that. I, I like that idea a lot. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, cool idea. Thanks, Mamiji. It'd be fun if you had to like defeat Waddledoo and then you absorbed that power. If you just like showed up and kind of moved around. And, you know, the first person to punch his fucking lights out just got a whip. That's not canon. Do it. (laughs) Finally, whoever on Reddit and all the vowels in their names or numbers, like zero, three. uh, Yeah, whoever. I like that. That's very Matrix. Yeah, it does look. It does look very, very 2000s hackery. Yeah, get ready to follow the white rabbit and take the... um, red pill is that the one where you stay aware of what's happening i haven't watched matrix in like 15 years we gotta have a matrix watch party man (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's what we should do there's no way that movie is aged poorly whoever on reddit made a really great point kirby's air ride which is one of the few major kirby games that sakurai has worked on that doesn't have a stage yet oh yeah yeah I th- like they've put a lot of Kirby's Air Ride stuff in there. The Dragoons mm-hmm. in there. They've just dumped a lot of Kirby's Air Ride tracks. And what's cool about Kirby's Air Ride is that there are even more tracks that are just as good as the ones that are already in there. Yeah. Like I'm not saying that we need more Kirby's Air Ride soundtrack representation, but I am saying that I wouldn't be displeased if we got more Kirby's Air Ride soundtrack representation. Yeah. A Kirby's Air Ride stage is a fantastic idea, and I think they should. That's kind of overdue, actually. I'm surprised mm-hmm. it hasn't happened, because obviously Sakurai is kind of a soft spot for that game. I agree. There is this mode in that game called City Trial, where it's kind of free-roaming, and you just pick out a star, and you zoom around, and you try to collect 
lots of power-ups and you're kind of like knocking your opponent out of the way trying to get as many power-ups as you can Mm -hmm. and then at the end of the time limit you race with all the power-ups you've gotten Mm -hmm. and that stage is so cool uh, because in addition to you know you dealing with the other people and trying to zoom around and collect all these goodies random events will start happening (laughs) and like characters from Kirby will show up and like a volcano goes off and all this other stuff that is just rife for smash stage situation um i think that'd be a really cool stage so i agree with you whoever (laughs) nice take the red pill (laughs) (laughs) thank you whoever for for that for that yes thank you so now that all the kirby stuff's done we're going to move into kid icarus yes that storied nintendo franchise represented across several important games you say that sarcastically, but Kid Icarus has been around since the 80s. There was a gap, though. There was a gap, sure, but what does that matter? Are you saying that Punch-Out doesn't deserve to be in Smash? I'm saying that Punch-Out deserves to have one character. It doesn't deserve to have three. <laughs> you don't want to play as Mike Tyson <laughs> in Smash? This is just actual fucking Mike Tyson voiced by Mike Tyson. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, me neither. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> no, I actually, you know, I um, I really like Pitt's design. I thought he was a fun inclusion in Brawl. And I actually enjoy playing as Palatina. She's got a cool kit going on. Yeah, well, why don't we start talking about characters? Okay. Yeah, so Pitt. Yeah. You like Pitt. Yeah, I liked him since Brawl. He's got a cool design going on. <laughs> yeah. What more do you want to know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so Pitt... Got introduced in the Smash Bros. series in Brawl. Right. Uh, in that first trailer that we got for the game, which I love. Mm-hmm. I love that first Brawl trailer. Brawl had great marketing, irrespective of whatever else you may think about it. <laughs> great marketing. Yeah, just Meta Knight shows up all badass, and then Pit fights him, and then suddenly Zero Suit Samus like, shows up and... Uh, and like poses, and then they're all fighting, and then suddenly Wario drives up in his motorcycle, and and he makes a big fart. Let's lose some mammoth one. Yeah, good shit. Good, almost literally. <laughs> if Wario hadn't held back, we'd be uh, in a very different trailer. But no, I was actually really excited when this trailer happened because Pit was actually a character that I really wanted in Smash. Okay. I had a really special attachment to Kid Icarus of Myths and Monsters for the original Game Boy. Wow, okay. Yeah, I played that game a lot when I was a kid, and then Smash Bros. started happening, and I was like, man, you know what this game needs? It needs Pit. Pit was a really cool character, and no one talks about him anymore. Uh, I had no experience with Kid Icarus at all as a youth. My hmm. introduction to that franchise i knew about it peripherally but right. was more or less pitt's inclusion in super smash bros brawl that's right i think that's how it was for a lot of people yeah i think that was one of those retro games that people hadn't really experienced mm-hmm. and then sakurai sort of revived its popularity by bringing it back swooped in and threw him into the lazarus pit <laughs> the lazarus pit oh god i made a pun and i didn't even know <laughs> But no, I, uh, I I liked Pit a lot in Brawl. I didn't play as him very much, but I appreciated that he was there, and I really appreciated the thought that went into making his design. Yeah, 
I tried meaning him for a while just because I was so glad that he was in the game. Sure. Uh, How'd that go? Um, eventually it turned out that he wasn't really my play style, but okay. I'm still really glad he's in, and I like him a lot. That's good. Uh, then in four, we got two new representatives. And I'm only really salty about one. <laughs> uh, Palatina was the first rep mm-hmm. coming in, and she came in after Kid Icarus Uprising came out for the 3DS. Right. She's obviously been in the franchise since day one, but... She really got more FaceTime, just so much more FaceTime in Kid Icarus Uprising. Mm-hmm. Really, there's the format of the whole game is basically while you're doing these shooter levels and also these sort of rounded action levels as Pit, the entire time Pit is talking with someone else. Right. And you get to see sort of their character portraits on the bottom screen, like talking with each other. So Pit just has all these conversations with Palutina along with other characters, and she really got fleshed out. Yeah. You fight her as a boss in that game, and... So when she showed up in four, I predicted her for four, and she she happened. I thought she was basically a no-brainer. Nice. And she's... <laughs> the interesting thing about Palatina is she's got a really cool moveset. Most of it is trapped behind custom moves. Mm, that's right. Yeah, so four introduced the custom move system where all the non-DLC characters had different moves that you could unlock and reassign to their to their B moves. Wow, I completely forgot that that was a feature of Smash 4. Yeah, and most of them were just sort of like, you know, sort of cute variants of their existing B moves. Palatina's repertoire, each of her custom moves was completely different from each other. Right. And if you don't use custom moves, then Palutina has like an air recovery, a homing attack, and two counter attacks. Yeah. Her, it's a struggle. Yeah, her her base moveset is kind of rough, and if you're mainly experiencing Smash through the competitive scene, that's all you see of Palutina yeah. because custom moves are banned. Right. And therefore I think she's considered not very very good which is a shame because she she has a play style that if it were workshopped a little bit or if some of her actual moves were swapped out for custom moves yeah i would love playing as that character yeah. as it stands i like playing as her yeah but it's tough i think what's going to happen is she is going to come back and her moveset is going to be retooled maybe mm-hmm. she'll get some of her custom like side b and down b moves right uh, turned into her default that would be cool yeah if we if they even keep the custom move system which i'm unsure about sure. i could see it happening i could see it being scrapped okay especially since none of the dlc characters had custom moves anyway oh, so that yeah. that might have been a feature that sakurai's just like whatever <laughs> never mind <laughs> right people didn't like it as much as i thought so maybe i'll drop it and finally the character that sean is the most excited to talk about you know it is dark pit whoa <laughs> so <laughs> So we've discussed how three certain characters got added into Smash 4 during the Mario episode. Right. The dev team decided it would be kind of cute and a fun callback to give Mario a Dr. Mario alt costume. And while they were at it, they thought it would be really cool if Marth got a Lucina alt and Pit got a Dark Pit alt. Right. And then while they were implementing that, they went, oh, you know what would be really cool? If Dr. Mario, if Mario's Dr. Mario alt just played like Dr. Mario and his Mega, Mi- his Mega Vitamin had the same physics that it did in Melee. Mm-hmm. And then they went, well, it'd also be cool if maybe Lucina's moves had slightly different properties, if Dark Pit had a couple different things going on than Pit uh, stat-wise. And then once they got to that point, it's like, well, if we're going to change the way the characters work, they need to be alternate character slots. 
So Dark Pit sort of accidentally got in as a brand new clone character of Pit. Right. And obviously I I see two differing viewpoints on on Dark Pit. Sure. And whether or not he'll come back. And actually in the first episode in our introduction episode I sort of mentioned offhand that yeah, I think Dark Pit's going to be cut. Mhm. I've been thinking about it since then. Oh. And I've been thinking of what Sakurai would be most likely to do. Okay. And Dark Pit is completely made up by Sakurai. Maybe not the most original creation of Sakurai's, but Dark Pit only exists because of the events of Kid Icarus Uprising. You know, it's funny, actually. I was reading the Kid Icarus Uprising article on Wikipedia to prepare mm. yeah. for today, and there's a section in there where they're talking about the development of the game where they basically explain that Sakurai wrote the whole story himself and accepted input from absolutely no one because he didn't want to bother with differing opinions. Yeah. That's... And so Dark Pit literally sprung fully formed and completely out of Sakurai's mind. And no one else can claim responsibility for that character. <laughs> and it's funny. That's that's how Sakurai has operated in general for a very long time. Right. He's, he's very productive of Smash and he used to be the only person that balanced Smash. Oh my God. Yeah. Ever since... Smash 4 release, he's been like, well, maybe it's okay if I take more of a supervisor role. Right. Because I've ruined both of my hands <laughs> with my current freakishly <laughs> abnormal work ethic. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I, you know, I admire him oh, to no. an extent for yeah. that, but I'm glad he's taking a break. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad he's taking it, or at least... He could theoretically be taking it a bit right. easier. We have no proof yeah. that he's actually mellowed out at all. He is theoretically taking as much of a break as he can stand. <laughs> he's been dragged um, kicking and screaming to 10% of a vacation. But yeah, he's Dark Pit is one of Sakurai's creations. And actually, it's it's kind of funny. When Brawl came out, Pit, you know, had some alternate color schemes like everyone else does. Mm -hmm. And one of his color palettes looks the way Dark Pit does now. <laughs> so Dark Pit actually existed as a color swap for Pit before he even existed as a Kid Icarus character in Uprising. And then Sakurai's just playing Smash one day to wind down and he swaps to a darker colored Pit. He's like, hmm... Hmm. I feel like I've that's had an idea. <laughs> I feel like that's literally what happened. I think when they were playing around with color palettes, Sakurai saw that as like, ooh, that could be his own character. Anyway. <laughs> Love you, Sakurai. The point the point is that in Kid Icarus Uprising, they really do help Dark Pit sort of stand out more as his own character, opposed right. to Pit. One thing I really love actually is Anthony Del Rio's portrayal of both Pit and Dark Pit. Mm -hmm. uh, he's Pit's voice actor, and he voices Dark Pit as well, and they sound like completely different people. Yeah, he does a really, really great job. Yeah, like, Pit has, like, you know, uh, sort of an upper, like, childish register, and he sounds optimistic and hopeful, mm -hmm. and Dark Pit just, like, he sounds more adolescent, and he's got a deeper voice, and he just sounds like a dick. Like, he really... <laughs> He really does a great job with the different inflections and different voice styles of Pitt and literally his mirror self. Right. He does a great job making them feel like different characters. No, he really does. And the way Dark Pitt acts in the game uh, consistently sort of contrasts Pitt. You know, he does some stuff that Pitt doesn't really do because, because he's dark. <laughs> right. <laughs> I would be much less salty about the prospect of Dark Pit returning if he got enough moveset variants that he felt like a relatively distinct character. And 
This is my prediction. I think that's precisely what's going to happen. I think when they sort of decided on a whim that Dark Pit would be in the game as his own character, they didn't have the time anymore to make Mm -hmm. him his own distinct character. Now that five is happening, and now that Sakurai has had two years minimum to do new things and make new characters, I think he's going to take a look at Dark Pit and give Dark Pit a tool set that at least is more different than he was from Pit Okay. in in Smash 4. He might not get a complete move overhaul, but I think the difference will at least be like Fox to Falco. Okay. You know? I'm like I'm not it's difficult for me to pin down the point they would have to get to where I would think to myself, okay, I'm fine with Dark Pit being in this game. That would at least be much closer to that point. Yeah, here's here's my guess. In Kid Icarus Uprising, you can equip Pit with about two dozen different kinds of weapons. Right. So I think they'll just give Dark Pit weapons that Pit doesn't have and go from there. Okay. I think instead of Pit's double blades, Dark Pit could have, like, the claws. Uh-huh. Right? Okay. yep. And he can sort of do, like, a Berserker Barrage thing instead of Pit's, like, twirly bow thing. That would be cool. Uh, yeah. I, I think they can definitely make Dark Pit feel real different, and I think he'll be back... I predict that Dark Pit is returning, and they'll make him feel at least a little different. Okay. Locking that in. Write it down, guys. <laughs> Everyone is keeping track at home. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you guys my, my full list so far at the end. That's what I'll do. So, with that out of the way, we can talk about assist trophies and stuff. Pit had no assist trophies in Brawl. Right, he, because who would they have been in Brawl? Um, there's an option, and I'll talk about that when we get to items. Ooh. However... We got two new assist trophies in four. Right. One was Magnus, who's <laughs> who's just, I don't know, he's like a Fire Emblem character. Right, he's like the big guy with the sword, right? Yeah, big yeah. guy with the sword. He runs around hitting people with his big sword. He he feels the least Kid Icarus-y to me. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just, he, he's just this generic warrior man. What is he in that game? Is he like one of those soldiers of man who are fighting each other or? Yeah, he's he's basically a, a soldier of man who like, fights alongside Pit. Okay. Uh, very like noble dude. Uh, to my memory, mm-hmm. I, I haven't fully played through Kid Acre Uprising since 2012. Oh wow! But that's that's what I vaguely remember. The other sis trophy is Phosphora, the goddess of lightning, and right. and she's got a cool design. She shoots lightning at people. I think she'll be back as an assist trophy. I think that would work. I'm down for that. Uh, we haven't talked about this in in a hot minute. Costumes from Smash Four, right? There were a lot of me costumes where Mies could dress up as existing Nintendo and other third party characters. Kirby didn't get any, but Kid Icarus got a Viridi costume. Right. Viridi is the goddess of Earth, and I believe Viridi was a costume for the Gunner Me. Okay. And, you know, I haven't played Kid Icarus Uprising myself. I've seen a decent chunk of footage of it. Yeah. I love Viridi. She's great. <laughs> yeah. She's exactly the kind of character that I like in games, as Daniel well knows. Yeah. Uh, yep. So I, I think she's hilarious. And uh, she, she is basically like if Hyoko Sayanji from Danganronpa 2 became a goddess. The goddess of nature. Right. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> I would love to see more of a nod to her somehow in uh, future Smash games. Yeah, I I think she'd be great if she was an assist trophy or something. Me too. I don't really see her as playable, although 
we did get some mail making a strong argument for that and is Ooh. worded better than I could possibly word it. So let me pull it up real quick. Okay. Marco R., who sent us some mail last time. Ah, yes. Welcome back, Marco. Hey, Marco. He says, for Kid Icarus, I am very passionate about this one because of how much I love Kid Icarus Uprising, which, if you haven't played, is hands down the best game on 3DS, and Sakurai's crowning achievement. Wow. Switch port, please. Hmm. I think a character people overlook is Viridi, the goddess of nature. She plays the role of a villain and an ally in the game, and after Pit and Palatina is the most prominent character in the game. Okay. She also was well represented in Smash 4, being a me costume, having her own stage. That's right, she shows up in that one stage. I yeah, about yeah that. We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. Cool. And appearing in all of Pit and Palatina's guidance conversations in Smash, which also revealed that canonically dark pit works for her now oh. they actually gave yeah they actually threw a bit of like uh of extra cannon in there that's cute as for a moveset she would be a staff-based magic user who has her army and nature powers to use hmm. we're lacking a plant-based character since ivysaur got cut oh yeah i hope sakurai is selfish and adds his creation as the newcomer <laughs> for smash 5 yeah and i think that's a great point i think that's a great case for veridi i agree i don't think she'll be in i don't think she'll get upgraded okay but it would be neat if she was, uh, because because she has that moveset potential for sure. In spite of what I said at the start of our Kid Icarus conversation, if Viridi was included in the game, I would play her extensively <laughs> and enjoy every second of it. <laughs> Hard to argue with that. Cool. But now we can move into potential new character discussion, characters that didn't really get represented in Smash in the past. Right. Medusa is the first antagonist of Kid Icarus Uprising, and she's been the antagonist of all the other Kid Icarus games. Okay. You know, she's she's Medusa. She's voiced by Kree Summer in Uprising, who does a fantastic job. Nice. And she she does a, a lot of cool evil snake goddess stuff. <laughs> As one would expect. Yeah. And therefore, she has cool moveset potential. But I think if she was going to be in Smash, she would have gotten in it for... Yeah, that makes sense. And since she wasn't, I, I think what would make more sense is if she was a boss. Mm, okay. Which would be cool. Another boss I could see happening is the true antagonist of Kid Icarus Uprising, Hades. Ooh. He also has some cool potential to be playable, but I think he won't be. Okay. I, <laughs> I, I do like Hades a lot. I love that he's basically, he's kind of like Maximilian Pegasus as a Kid Icarus <laughs> villain, you know, like if Maximilian Pegasus got Godhood, you know, Pit Boy, hello, Pity. <laughs> My army of the undead says hello. Anyway. Uh, Look at your heart of the cards and tell me, <laughs> is Palutena single? <laughs> anyway, Hades is cool. He'd be neat in the game in some form. I think it makes the most sense as a boss, like a big old giant Hades boss that you have to sure you have to kill. And we kind of just covered bosses, so we can skip right past that, I guess. Nice. So that means we're in stages. All right. Now, Kid Icarus doesn't have as many old stages as Kirby because they didn't start getting them until Brawl. Right. He only got one new stage in Brawl, which was Sky World, mm -hmm. which didn't really take too much from a specific game it was just sort of a bunch of floating platforms that were sort of like made of like a hard material that you could break ah, that's and then right. and then you'd be standing on clouds after that which you could i feel as though the last kid icarus game to have come out prior to pitt's inclusion in brawl 
kind of happened such a long time ago and the visuals were so indistinct that they could really do whatever they wanted for that stage, and that's what they did. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't actually like fighting on that stage too much, like dealing with those Mm -hmm. hard platforms that you couldn't jump down from unless you broke it. That was frustrating. However, after Brawl, it did come back in the Wii U version of 4, so maybe they'll stop. Maybe they'll stop for now. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. Then he got two new stages in 4, one in the 3DS version and one in the Wii U version. The 3DS version got the Reset Bomb Forest stage. I can remember being so mad when I first heard the name of this stage. Like, unreasonably mad because of how dumb it sounded. <laughs> like, what do you mean the Reset Bomb Forest? What the hell kind of a name of a stage is that? Well, it's a forest where a reset bomb went off in Kid Icarus Uprising. A reset bomb being uh, a bomb that sort of, like, resets everything oh right like virity's bombs right yeah they they turn everything back to nature yeah yeah and and you know you try to stop it in kitty cross uprising right in in smash it starts out as a stage on like a castle and you see virity like in the background like messing with stuff then it sort of teleports to a stage where the reset bomb's like about to go off or is going off or something right this was kind of a weird stage. Uh, it reminded me of that Fire Emblem stage in Brawl. Oh, where you have like the castle and then it gets destroyed, right? Yeah. 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 I think I think this was kind of an odd stage, but I think it has a chance to come back because it'd be really interesting to see that stage in HD, like oh, when true. it comes to Switch. Yeah. Yeah. That could be really cool. Yeah. So I, I think that's got a shot to return. Nice. Also, I think has a solid shot to return. Palutena's Temple, which was a Wii U stage. It was just a big, really big stage that covers just a whole lot of ground, has a bunch of different areas, kind of like Temple did. And I actually kind of like the layout of this stage, even though I think it's a bit too big. Okay. The one big feature of this stage is that if you're Pit and you mash the D-pad for a few seconds, right. he'll have a conversation with his Kid Icarus staff, his Kid I- with fellow members of Kid Icarus cast. Which I think has also happened in the past with other franchises, right? Yeah, Snake. Yeah. Uh, Snake did that in the Shadow Moses stage. He was the first to do that. Okay. And then a Star Fox stage right. uh, did a similar thing. Uh, yeah, this, this Easter egg where the, where the cast of that game will talk about a character that's fighting in the match at that moment. Right. I think it'd be really cool if that stage came back, you know, and the cast of Kid Icarus Uprising came back and recorded new dialogue for all the new characters that got added. I would be down for that. That's a really cool idea. Especially because one thing that was kind of a bummer about that stage is when all the DLC characters got added, none of them got new pit dialogue. Like, if if you match the D-pad while you're fighting Corrin from Fire Emblem Fates... Pit will just be like, oh, who's this new fighter? And Palatine will be like, I don't know, but you should fight him, Pit. Okay. Yeah, let's smash! <laughs> anyway. Uh, I see. <laughs> so it'll be great if they just bring that stage back and record a bunch of new dialogue for it. I'd be very happy with that. I'm down for that. And that's all the old stages. In terms of new stages, I. <laughs> it's funny. I think they could bring back, they could do something new from Kid Icarus Uprising. Mm-hmm. And... I was actually like revisiting, relooking at some old stages uh, last night. Sure. And I think one area that could be represented pretty cool as a stage is Destroyed Sky World. Now, there's a part in Kid Icarus Uprising where Pit is kind of out of commission mm-hmm. for like three years. Damn. And in that time, Palatine has been possessed by a malevolent spirit. Okay. And she destroys sky world oh okay she just uh she wrecks it and then pit comes back and sees sky world in ruins 
I think there's a lot of parts of that stage that would be really cool as uh, as an arena to fight in. I agree. Um, one of the one of the reasons I kind of picked this stage is because there's a the track that plays when you're in the destroyed sky world, like this sort of coral. It's it's just got a really cool theme. Okay. The theme is actually in Smash Four, but it's been unaltered. Oh. I'm jumping ahead to music talk for a second, but mm-hmm. I think it'd be really cool if there was a destroyed sky world stage. And that music got a remix this time. Nice. Yeah. I think that'd be really cool, too. Do you have any Kid Icarus stages in mind? No. (laughs) That's fair. Not because of any kind of malice or anything like that. I just don't have as much experience with that franchise as you. And it seems to me, with the cursory knowledge of it that I have, that they've already picked out some pretty cool stages. They have. I think they have. So let's move on to items, then. Okay. So, funny enough, Kid Icarus didn't get any items in Brawl. Oh, wow. But then it got five items in four. Dang. <laughs> so the first item was the back shield. Mm-hmm. Uh, the oh, shield right. that, yeah, it sort of hovers behind you and reflects projectiles that try to hit you from behind. Interesting concept. Sure. Handy if somebody's just grabbed the Nintendo scope. What is that thing? Super scope. The super scope. Yeah. I, I feel like there's other reflective items that are more useful, so I feel like that item's kind of redundant and can leave. Okay. The daybreak which is very similar to the Dragoon. You collect three parts of a giant gun, and then right. it shoots a huge insta-kill laser across the screen. I like this item, mm-hmm. actually. I think it's a cool, different take on the Dragoon that can be used for different situations. I like that it requires all of the same sort of components of the Dragoon. You yeah. Know, the, the method to getting it is the same, but the way that you use it feels really different and maybe a little fairer. Um, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Uh, The killer eye, which is sort of this turret that you throw into the ground and then it intermittently shoots uh, laser balls at the opponent. Sure. Uh, You know, this is is a fine little hazard and I think it could return. Okay. You know, that'd be fine. The ore club, this big old club made of rock. And if you uh, swing it with a smash attack, it lets forth like a little whirlwind. I actually like this item a lot. Me too. I think it's really fun to use, and I'm definitely down for it coming back in 5. I agree. I agree completely. And finally, the X-Bomb, which is a a bomb. (laughs) Kind of like the the Star Fox Smart Bomb, where it it just explodes in like a huge radius. This explodes in an X shape that Mm -hmm. fills the whole screen. And that's fine, I think. You yeah, know, I've yeah. been KO'd by it many a time. Yeah, it's a fine bomb. And that's all the Kid Icarus items. I think I think at least three of them can and should return for five. Those being the Daybreak, the Ore Club, and the X-Bomb. Killer Eye would be fine if it returned. I, I think Back Shield should stay home. Okay. Potential new items. You mentioned what possible assist trophies the Kid Icarus franchise could have that predates Uprising. Uh-huh. The Eggplant Wizard. You're going to have to fill me in on this one a little bit. <laughs> the Eggplant Wizard is is an enemy in the original Kid Icarus game. Mm-hmm. He, <laughs> he just sort of waddles around on the stage, and he has a staff. He's He looks like an eggplant. Who is also he, a wizard. Yeah, he's wearing a cape. <laughs> okay. And... He will he will shoot magic out of his staff at you. Okay. If that magic hits you, you turn into an eggplant with legs. <laughs> and you're stuck that way 
in in the original game, you're stuck that way until you find like a doctor that can undo that curse for you. I can see why you love this item, <laughs> this, this character. Uh, and in in Uprising, I think the egg, the eggplant wizard shows up again, and he'll turn you into an eggplant, but it wears off after a limited time. I see. I think that's more how it works in Smash. Yes. Uh, yeah, the eggplant wizard turns you <laughs> like, into an eggplant. You get turned into an eggplant, and then you have to wait for a doctor to spawn, and then you're just <laughs> running around as an eggplant. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think he would be an amazing assist trophy and there are more there are worse status effects in that game already, you know. No, I, I agree with that assessment. Yeah. I, I think he'd be fantastic. I think he'd be a great callback. And he he's just a stupid looking character. The eggplant wizard is also in Captain N oh. as one of the as one of the recurring villains. <laughs> I've never watched a single episode of Captain N, but I love that that wacky show existed at one point. Yeah, it's, it's an old cartoon about this guy who goes into various video games, uh, bef- and he's accompanied by various actual video game characters. Simon Belmont and Mega Man and Kid Icarus right. and, and Pitt are all uh, <laughs> are all like his teammates, and... The uh, the overarching villain's mother brain is the main villain. Wow. Uh, and her henchmen are King Hippo from Punch Out and the Eggplant Wizard, and uh, they were basically just scratch and grounder, and it was uh, <laughs> it was great. Really, there were just like two different versions of Grounder to be accurate. No one knows what I'm talking about. Scratch and Grounder are characters from the old son- '90s Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon. Great. Yeah. Check them out. Definitely spend time <laughs> watching that show. It will be worth your while, and I'm saying that without a shred of irony. <laughs> Don't know how well it's aged, guys, but I had a good time watching when I was a kid. Yeah. Anyway. Believe it or not, I have an item idea for Kid Icarus. Oh, tell me, man. Okay. So we were watching some footage uh, prior to recording this episode to kind of refresh our memory about a couple parts of the Kid Icarus Uprising game. Yeah. And I noticed that before the person playing in the video went into the game, they were kind of messing around with this interesting difficulty slider mechanic where you have sort of a cauldron and you can put hearts into it. Yeah, that uh, that mechanic also just got copied wholesale and put into Smash 4. Right. However... Yeah there was not a demon cauldron involved. And I feel like that cauldron could be a cool item. Like you grab it, you set it down on the stage, and maybe you throw other items into it, and then something happens. Mm, that's cool. I just, I really appreciate it because the, uh, the person playing the game was kind of showing off that if you like click on the cauldron a bunch, then it kind of gets flustered and turns around. <laughs> and it just had so much personality that I feel as though it would be a fun little inclusion in Smash. You know, that's that's cool. Good good item idea, Sean. Thank good you. pick. So finally, we're at the Kid Icarus soundtrack, and it it's <laughs> pretty much every song from the NES game has been remixed somehow because mm-hmm. you know that game had like four different pieces of music so they've each been revisited at this point sure and the the title sequence the underworld theme those have all been the overworld theme those have all been sort of revisited and remixed and upgraded right kid icarus uprising soundtrack got a couple of tracks remixed Mm -hmm. from uprising but mostly they just copy pasted most of the soundtrack into smash 4 Mm -hmm. which is fine because that game has a really good soundtrack. Yeah, it does. I, I was impressed by a lot of the inclusions in Smash 4. Yeah. Uh, as far as new tracks, I I think they should 
In Smash 4, the track Boss Fight 1, uh, the track that plays when Kid Icarus fights most of the bosses, mm -hmm. such a cool track. Look that shit up. And Dark Pits theme, sort of this, uh, sort of this deserty like. Uh, it actually reminds me of the remix that Star Wolf's theme got in Star Fox Assault, I think. Oh, yeah. Whatever that Star Fox game was that came out for the GameCube. Yeah. Uh, where they kind of do this, like, flamenco sort of thing. Yes, yeah. Uh, I, I really dig it when Nintendo rearranges themes like that, which they do apparently a lot for some reason. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so I do like Dark Pit's theme. Yeah, both of those themes just got copy pasted into four i would like to see them get remixes in five cool i'm down for that yeah so let's read one last bit of mail Ooh, we already had that great bit of mail from marco r mm -hmm. so here's one last one yay jordan on reddit i love that name i'm sure this is not the significance of your name but it's just like you're celebrating your own name like yay jordan <laughs> it'd be like if my reddit username was yay sean <laughs> It's not. <laughs> Yay Jordan on Twitter says, For Kid Icarus, a vertically scrolling underworld stage <laughs> like in the NES game. Oh, that's a really cool idea. Yeah, that's a fantastic idea. And it didn't occur to me before I read that. Right. That they should just have a classic Kid Icarus stage where you go up the first the first level mm -hmm. uh, that is as it automatically scrolls. Yay, Jordan. What a good <laughs> idea. And actually, they could just have the eggplant wizard there as a stage hazard. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, along with the Reaper, who is an annoying bitch. Ah. Uh, the, the Reaper, if the Reaper sort of like walks around on a platform, mm -hmm. and if he sees you, he starts screaming, and this, like, this, his theme plays, and then a bunch of little Reapers fly into the screen <laughs> and start, like, attacking you. Oh, okay. Which something similar happens when you see the Reaper in Kid Icarus Uprising. So it's sort of like if you took the Reaper from Persona and fused it with Cuckoos from Zelda. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, good, good image. Good image in my head. You did good. Thanks. Good job. Glad I could help you out. So... <laughs> that's that's everything all right that's that's both franchises kirby and kid icarus that ended up being a lot to go through yeah Should that I... took longer than i thought it would yeah i i underestimated how much talking we would need to do about some of those kirby and kid icarus characters because they've, they've got a lot of discussion in there yeah gotta love the curb gotta yep. like kid icarus <laughs> Uh, so now that we're in the end, I'll give my predicted roster so far. Let's hear it. So from the Mario episode, I predicted Mario, Luigi, Peach, Bowser, Rosalina, Bowser Jr., Captain Toad, and Paper Mario. In the Mario spinoffs episode, I predicted Donkey Kong, Diddy Kong, Yoshi, and Wario. I did note that King K. Rule, Dixie Kong, and Ashley from WarioWare all have different levels of likelihood, but I decided not to officially predict them. Right. In the Zelda episode, I predicted Link, Zelda, Sheik, Ganondorf, Toon Link, and Urbosa from Breath of the Wild. Still, still feel weird about that one, but less weird than I would if I didn't predict any character from Zelda as a newcomer. All right, and I predicted Midna. That he did. And I stand by that. <laughs> Finally, in this episode, my predicted roster is Kirby, Meta Knight, King DDD, Bandana Waddledy, Pit, Palatina, and Dark Pit. All right. And Sean has that, but without Bandana Waddledy and with Marks. Yes. 
I like how throughout this entire episode, you've been acting as if Marx is a horrible pick and Bandana Waddle Dee is a shoe-in, when actually the opposite is true. <laughs> the opposite is not true. <laughs> hey, man, if we're going by the Pum Pum Triangle. <laughs> Marx... <laughs> Marx is not a shoe-in. I can see why you could argue that Banana Waddle is also not a shoe-in, but Marx is not a shoe-in. Okay, I'll give you that. We're both going out on a limb. I I think one of these limbs is made of sturdier branch than the other. I'm glad you agree. (laughs) (laughs) So, if you're running where else you can find us, I have another podcast that I host with my good, good friend, Max Lando. It's called Play This, with an exclamation point at the end. You can find us at playthispodcast.com. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. Uh, we're on Twitter at Play This Podcast. And actually, <laughs> this is kind of topical. Our next episode will be going live by Wednesday, April 18th. And in that episode, Max and I bring my girlfriend Amy and his wife Stephanie on to talk about our experience playing through Kirby Star Allies. Yeah, that got some airtime on this episode. Our jaws were flapping about that game a little bit. Yeah, so if you want to hear more of my impressions and my friend's impressions of that game and what we thought about it, check out the new episode of Play This next week. And just as an aside, if you haven't been listening to Play This and you're looking for a place to jump in besides the beginning, which is really where you should jump in, the most recent episode that Daniel and Max did was an episode on Firewatch, and within it is contained the most fascinating discussion I've ever heard about boredom in gaming and whether or not it's acceptable in my life. It's really <laughs> great and really deep, and they do such a good job dissecting that topic, and they bring up like arts and culture and its relation to gaming, and it's so good. If you're you know, sitting at home smoking your pipe and drinking a glass of wine, having a fine brie, and you need something sophisticated in that moment, but you also love video games, listen to to the Firewatch episode of Play This because it's excellent. What a plug. Thanks. Thanks, Sean. Absolutely. (laughs) And if you're looking for Sean, you can find me in two places. First of all, if you like Let's Plays and you like memes, then definitely check out my YouTube channel. It's R.E. Chief. That's the first thing that comes up if you search that in YouTube. The second thing is me getting bodied by a professional fighting game player. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that on YouTube? That is on YouTube, oh, yeah. Oh, man. I was searching for my own channel because I got a new YouTube app and it didn't have all my preferences saved. Yeah. So I put in ReChief and it was like my channel and then me getting destroyed by Gur while I was desperately struggling with Catwoman and Injustice Oh, 2. my God. Wow. Yeah. Yep. I'm well, YouTube famous. Wow. That's so funny because... <laughs> If you find that video of him getting bodied at Combo Breaker, uh, just have the full context that he was only fighting Gur in the first place because he was undefeated in that tournament up to that point. Yes, Gur incidentally has gone on to place in the top eight in several Injustice tournaments. He's yeah. very good. Yeah. He's also the nicest fucking guy. Like yeah. immediately after the matchup ended, he was kind of explaining to me ways that I could have beat him in a really nice way. Yeah. Anyway, that's where you can find me on YouTube. 
If, on the other hand, you are an individual or small or large business and you're looking for voice acting talent, my SoundCloud page is soundcloud.com forward slash RE underscore chief. And I've got demo reels on there. I've got examples of my past work and my contact info is on there as well. So if you want to get in touch with me and do some business dealings, that's where you want to go. I will always say that Sean is an incredibly talented voice actor. Uh, if you go to his previously mentioned YouTube channel, he's currently doing a fully voice acted playthrough of uh, Ace Attorney Investigations 2. He's almost done with it, and his range, the amount of great voices he does for both the male and female characters in the game, is just really impressive and fun to listen to. Thank you. That's I Because it never came out in the States, I never played that game, and this is an excellent first experience with that game for me to have. Well, I appreciate that, Daniel. Yeah, dog. So, that is the podcast. Our next episode is going to be called the Sci-Fi episode. And we're covering three franchises, which totally won't be a mistake given how much talk we do about two franchises. We're going to be talking about the Earthbound, Pikmin, and Xenoblade franchises within Smash. And this is going to be awesome because I am really passionate about all three of those franchises. Yeah, and I'm passionate about at least two of them. Uh, And I like Pikmin. (laughs) Fair. So if you guys have any theories of your own about any of those three franchises, uh, you can tweet them to us at a smashing theory on Twitter, or you can email us at asmashingtheory at gmail.com. And we will read all of them and pick our favorites. Yes. For those of you who wrote into us and did not get featured in today's episode, know that we still read and appreciated everything you sent our way. And I would like to encourage you to keep sending us mail, keep posting on our Reddit threads, keep tweeting at us on Twitter, um, because we really enjoy reading your stuff, even if we don't have the time to stick it in an episode. Yeah, we had so many cool Kirby character suggestions, but the episode would have been... 15 minutes longer if I included all of them. Yes, and it's already long enough as it is. <laughs> uh, so thanks for listening, everybody. We will catch you next week on Thursday. And in the interim, I hope that you have a smashing time. <laughs> I, I don't know, Kirby noise. I Yeah, I didn't oh, really that think that went fur- through. That was the furthest thing from... Uh, you made that noise, and I was thinking to myself, is he doing Wario? Why is he doing Wario? <laughs> Goodbye! <laughs>